I don't know if you've ever seen one of those three-dimensional slash two-dimensional drawings. And what they do is they look, make it look like you have steps going all the way around itself, but you're walking up and you always end up in the same place every single time. Problem is you didn't see it right. What do I mean? You saw it in 2D, two-dimensional, instead of 3D, which is three-dimensional. And when you don't see something right, it changes your perception. It's time that we as the church see Jesus rightly. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church, and we appreciate you coming to being a part. Thank you, Life Connection Group leaders, for what you do. Uh, don't forget to get the word out about uh, having leaders, uh, multiplying leaders, and we've got some exciting things that are coming up that is going to help us without dividing any classes or what I like to call multiplying any classes. It's just literally going to be having people sign up for classes. As you know, we have some somewhere in the range of six, uh, 60 people coming to Life Connection Groups. That means there's 40% of people in our, life, in our worship service that are not coming to Life Connection Groups. So we're going to do our best to try to sign some of them up and get them involved in classes. And uh, I want every one of you Life Connection Group leaders to be thinking of something because uh, we want them signed up in your class as well. And we want to kind of get your theories or what you're doing or, or maybe some hobbies. But anyway, just put your name, Trey Rhodes, interested in reading the Bible and bike riding, uh, loves to have fun outside and enjoys British mysteries, so, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, that, that kind of thing is going to make them know, oh, that's the kind of class I want to be in because that might be some people that I can relate to. Uh, even, you know, maybe your age and uh, where you're from and those kind of things might help as well. Uh, what school you graduated from. Anyway, just uh, a little paragraph. So be thinking of a little paragraph you can write about yourself because that's what we're going to have uh, come. Uh, hopefully by springtime, we're going to have some signups available for all of our people, uh, whether they're in Life Connection Group or not. Uh, everybody can sign up for which life, uh, the Life Connection Group that they want to be a part of. And not only do we not have people in Life Connection Group, we have a lot of people that are in our Life Connect Groups that are not attending anywhere in our Life Connection Group. So we need to make sure that everyone's taken care of. Well, we are going to be studying Luke chapter 18. We're going to be looking in verses 31 to 43. And as Pastor Logan told you, uh, this is the section in between. Uh, what Pastor Tommy did is he talked about Zacchaeus, and he skipped over this section, and he spoke about the rich young, or actually it's the other way around, uh, the rich young ruler skipped over this section and then began to share about Zacchaeus. And interesting thing is that I said to my Life Connection group is that I never put the two together. Here's two rich people and two totally different responses. And so that was great, what Pastor Tommy shared. But what Logan shared with uh, great feeling and really thoroughly enjoyed his message and uh, appreciated that we need to be about what we need, not what we want. And that's what seeing Jesus rightly is all about. So if uh, you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse 31. Um, so anyway, the difference is, is between what we need and what we want. And that's what we're going to see here today. And, you know, what we want to know and Logan is good about getting into the OIA, about the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And so you might want to do it. And he says this, this Luke, he's a Gentile. He's writing to Gentiles. He wants him to know the good news of Jesus, good for everyone. He's on his way to Jerusalem to accomplish the work that he came for. 
so here's here's the biblical con that's the biblical context, and the immediate context is this. Uh, remember Jesus standing up and reading in the scroll of Isaiah and says that he proclaims liberty to the captive and helps the blind recover their sight. Oh, blind recover their sight. Hang on to that. He then finishes by telling everyone what they see is fulfilled in him. So what he does is he continues his ministry and they begin to see these things happening. Uh, this is a quote from Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. And so we learned the story about the rich young ruler. We saw the story of Zacchaeus and he was set free, wasn't he? And so that's what happens with Zacchaeus, this man who is far from God, and then he comes to Christ, and he knows Jesus, and he follows him as Savior and Lord of his life. So uh, let's, uh, starting in verse 31, we have the 12, that, that's his disciples, those who have been with him, seen all he has done to this point, and he tells them to see, and they, need, they needed to see what was about to happen in Jerusalem, because they're on their way to Jerusalem, or on that section, where he's on his way to Jerusalem, that he might give his life for the world. Now, what's going to happen in Jerusalem, of course, is the fulfillment of all the prophets. Uh, the, the Gentiles would mock uh, Jesus, the Messiah. They would spit upon Jesus, the Messiah. They would flog him. They would kill him. And But that's not the, what disciples wanted to hear. They didn't understand. Verse 34 says they didn't grasp it. It's hidden from them. So they had a problem. They, they Though they could see physically, they could not see spiritually. So the first truth that we get from there's two truths that we're going to look at today. And the first truth is this, that you want what you don't need. So in these verses, we see the disciples, they don't want what they need. They have two major problems. First, they didn't trust the work of God. They wanted the work of God to be different, right? And then uh, and second, uh, they, the desires of their flesh were contrary to the way God was going to bring about his salvation. Well, you and I are the same way, aren't we? Well, then he, Logan goes into the want versus need, which we're going to cover in the uh, starting the conversation section. And so anyway, you might want to hang on to this with your sermon. It's going to be in your answers as well. And he goes through all the different types of people and what they want versus what they need. And what we need to do is we need to trust in the work of God and understand that his plan is bigger than we see. His work is better than we know. and His faithfulness is more than we can imagine. And we need to fight the desires of the flesh. And remember the gospel? Pursue the spiritual disciplines and run from sin and toward holiness. And then we fight the flesh. We don't let it take over. So then in verse 35, we now get to verse 35 to 43, and Jesus is drawing near to Jericho. Now remember, Jericho is an important city uh, for a couple of reasons, but uh, number one, it's a huge trade route. The huge trade route goes through Jericho. It's one of three cities, and the other two are Capernaum and Caesarea. And they would have set up custom booths, and because it was this trade route, they would collect taxes. And that's where we get the story of Zacchaeus. And that means Jesus is on a popular, well-traveled road. And as he draws near to Jericho, the text tells us there's a blind man sitting on the roadside begging. And we have the other accounts of the story. And it's in Mark's Gospel, uh, verses 46 to, uh, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And also in Matthew 20, 29 to 34, if you want to go uh, get more information about Bartimaeus. Anyway, his only means of survival is for him to beg at the side of the road. He can't work, can't help himself. All he can do is trust in other people and their goodness. Well, verse 36 says, even though he can't see, he can hear. And while he can't see, he can speak. So he hears a, a large crowd and he wants to know what's going on. So he wanders over there and he asks a question. He said, hey, what's, what's going on here? Uh, tell me what's going on. And they tell him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, they probably heard of Jesus. The word spread through the region. And then he has this incredible response. He can't see, he can't hear. 
uh, excuse me, he can't see, although he can speak. So he cries out with a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those around him, what do they do? They start yelling at him, telling him, shut up and all those things. So he uses title, son of David, and that takes us back. And this is a good passage to read if you want to go get some background. Second Timothy, Second uh, Samuel, let me say it right. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 4, and then read on through verse 17. And God tells David that he's going to come from his line. He's going to rule on the throne forever. That's who the son of David would be. So while the disciples can't see him as the son of man, the crowds only see him as Jesus of Nazareth. Can you imagine? Jesus of Nazareth, just a guy, this man from Nazareth, the Jesus guy that was born in Nazareth, although he wasn't from Nazareth, obviously. He's from Bethlehem. Anyway, um, the blind man sees him, though, as the son of David. What a difference. He sees him as the promised Messiah. Verses 40 to 41, Jesus it, it hears him crying out that he wants to see again, and Jesus has compassion on him. And the crowd rebukes the man and stops and talks with him and asks him a very simple question. What do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? Well, what do you think he wants him to do for him? Give me sight. And uh, then it says, Lord, he says very simply, Lord, I want to see, verse 41. The man who had been blind his whole life went to bed every night and saw darkness, woke up every day and saw darkness. But in the moment he is in the right place and the one that can save him and heal him is walking by. And he correctly sees Jesus as a son of David. By faith, he believes that he is the Messiah. So what happened? The man immediately recovered his sight. What an incredible miracle. And what he does is he begins to follow Jesus. And so he needs, uh, what he needs becomes then what he wants. And the response is that all the others praise God for the work. So not only do the first truth that we read about, which was um, that we need to, um, uh, let me jump back to that real quick. Uh, let's see here. Excuse me. Okay, first truth we need to see. Logan does his sermon a little different than Pastor Tommy. Is you don't you want what you don't need, and then the second sermon, a second truth is this: that you need to see Jesus rightly. So it's not just you know this idea of being able to you know see what you need, but you also need to see Jesus Himself rightly. You know, the problem is, is that a lot of people don't see Jesus rightly. They simply see Jesus as a guy from Nazareth. You know, went around doing, went around doing great stuff and helping people and healing them. And the same holds true for us today. There are many people in your life connection group who don't see Jesus rightly. Maybe they see him as a good teacher, a miracle worker, maybe as a ticket to heaven, you know, a, a fire insurance, somebody once said. But he is the one who died the death that I deserved, lived the life that I could not, who was buried and rose again and ascended to heaven and promised to return to make everything new. That's Jesus. To bring you and I into the family of faith, to bring people in your life connection group that are struggling today into the family of faith. So see need of Jesus. Believer, listen. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, who proclaim to know and love Jesus and don't see him rightly. But remember, Jesus is the only one that can make sense of our lives and marriages and children, friendships, money, discipleship relationships, even being on mission. Uh, and every part of our life will, be, will make sense if we're rightly ordered around the fact that we need Jesus. So by His grace, we pursue after Him. The Spirit changes us and shapes us into the image to realize that if we need what we need is Jesus, then we become 
how Jesus would have us to live in every area of our life. So are you like Bartimaeus? You know, is your life connection group, people in your life connection group, you can ask them, are they like Bartimaeus? Jesus has opened your eyes spiritually. And what are you looking at? Are you looking at all the world has to offer or the benefits of spiritual sight? Uh, to the non-believer, and this is where the gospel comes in, how do you see Jesus? Uh, I'm calling you to see him as the one who loves you, died for you, stood in your place, so that through faith you can be in relationship with the one who's everything you want, everything you need. Maybe you've heard the gospel hundreds of times like the disciples, but you still don't see Jesus rightly. See those around you who need Jesus. And as we see Jesus rightly, we will understand that so many people around us need Jesus. Maybe you need to ask the question, who around you need Jesus? What, what steps do you need to take to help others see Jesus rightly? All right, so what we need is to see Jesus rightly. What the disciples didn't get in this passage, but after the Holy Spirit came to them, they did, and they saw, and they understood, and 11 of those men and Matthias turned the world upside down once they saw Jesus rightly. That's what he wants to do for us. All right, let's get into the questions and starting the conversation. What are some things in life you really want? Uh, you know, he went through the list, and you might want to go through this list as well. Uh, you're an older adult, you want to enjoy retirement. You're an adult, you want to be successful. You're married, you want your husband to be better to you. Or uh, maybe if you're married, you want a divorce. Or maybe you want to find some sexual fulfillment outside of the marriage. Maybe you're childish, you want children. Widow, you want your spouse to, to be back. Or you want to feel loved. Or if you're sick, you want to get better. Or if you're single, you want a spouse, college. And he goes through every single one of them. And you can do that too if you'd like to. Uh, but what are the things you really need? You need to use retirement for the glory of God. You need to realize success only comes through faithfulness to God. You need to realize the sacrifice of the marriage relationship and the relationship with the gospel. You need to realize that Jesus would never turn his back on his church and never uh, will once we, you will never turn your back on your relationship with your wife or husband uh, till the day you die. And then he goes on and he names all those things. So if you want to use those, feel free. Number two. What's the difference? And, but I would let them do a lot of that. And if you can't, just name a few and maybe it'll start triggering a couple of questions or a couple of answers for them, okay? Uh, what's the difference between needing something and wanting something? Well, uh, I think when we need something, uh, you know, it's the difference between I need to eat to live. I don't need to live to eat. That's what I want to do. I want to live to eat instead of eating to live. You know, you might want to use that. But groups are going to, all the people in your group are going to say something different. So give the group opportunity to share some of that. Uh, number three, in the Christian life, what should the relationship be between the things we want and the things we need? Ultimately, is wanting, it is wanting good things for all the wrong reasons. They are good things, and, but we want them for the wrong reasons. And so that is the difference between want and need. So it's, we can want good things, but we need to want them for the right reasons, right? All right. So Luke, uh, read Luke 8, thir uh, 18, 31 to 34, uh, starting, then he took the 12 aside and told them, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. They understood none of these things. Hear that word? None of these things. The meaning of the saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. So here are the questions. Who are the people in these verses? Well, the 12 are his disciples. Those who've been with him, seen all that he's done to this point. To them, Jesus shows his power. Um, so what does Jesus tell the disciples about what he's going to Jerusalem to do? He tells them he's going to do all this been written about him. It was about to be accomplished. 
And you remember some of the things. Uh, he was going to receive dominion, glory, kingdom, uh, that all peoples, excuse me, um, that he's going to be flogged and beaten and all those things, I think. Is, if you go back and look at the sermon, it talks about that. Uh, I didn't quite finish that for some reason. Sorry about that. Go back in the sermon, and he actually talks about he's going to be beaten, flogged, he's going to be turned to the Gentiles, and they're going to kill him, obviously. So uh, Jesus, uh, then the third question is, what does Jesus mean when he calls himself the Son of Man? Jesus, as the Son of Man, had to accomplish work in Jerusalem to receive dominion, glory, kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages serve him with an everlasting dominion and a kingdom that would not be destroyed. And that comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. I read these last week in my, in my Life Connection group. You might want to go and read them this week. Question number two, how did the disciples respond to Jesus' words? Well, the disciples did not understand their needs and their wants were different from what Jesus wanted. They thought that they wanted the same thing. Surely Jesus wanted to come back and he wanted to take over and they wanted to be a part of that kingdom, right? Where he took over the Romans and he threw them away. They had two major problems. First, they didn't trust the work of God. That was what they didn't understand. Why were they not able to understand what Jesus was talking about? They didn't trust the work of God. They wanted the work of God to be different from what they needed the work of God to be. They've been looking for and longing for the promise of God. They wanted Messiah. They wanted a kingdom. They wanted all the promises of God through his covenants. But they didn't realize or understand how that was going to happen. Second, the desires of their flesh were contrary to the way God was going to bring about his salvation. Um, they, they didn't want to hear him tell them all that he had to be beaten and mocked and killed at the hands of Gentiles. They didn't want Jesus to die, but that's exactly what they needed so that their sins could be forgiven, right? All right, Luke 18, 35 to 43. And as he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging and hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David. Notice he calls him son of David and they just called him Jesus of Nazareth. Have mercy on me. Those in front of him, uh, those that, excuse me, I think I've read, yeah, all the way through the end, I'm sorry. Uh, those, uh, then those in front, told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he'd been brought to him. And when he came closer, oops, and uh, let's see here. I lost my place. Then uh, Jesus, let's see here. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then, then those in front of him told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying all the more. And he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Um. Jesus stopped and commanded and that he be brought to him. And he came closer and he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see and he began to follow him, glorifying God. And all the people, that crowd that was telling him to shut up, that crowd that called him Jesus of Nazareth, what are they doing? They see it and now they're giving praise to God. All right, I added a little bit there, but that's, that's what's going on. All right, so what is this? where does this story take place? The road to Jericho. They're making their way to Jerusalem as they pass through Jericho. Jericho had been a location where people had passed through to get to Jerusalem. And as we said already, it was that major trade route in the other cities. And, you know, we talked about Capernaum and Caesarea and that the custom booths were set up to collect taxes. I'll say, who are the characters? Uh, why is Jericho an important city? I just said that because major trade route and on the way to Jerusalem and set up the customs booths. And number four. Uh, who are the characters in this story? What is significant about each character? We have Jesus, the blind man, and the crowd. So Jesus, the son of David, and once again, 2 Samuel 7, 4, 7, 4 through 17. He's God's promised Messiah. He has the ability to have mercy or compassion on all the infirm. 
And then you have Bartimaeus. Uh, he's just, and it says he's the son of Timaeus. We don't know how long he's been blind. He may have been blind for his whole life. He may have lost his sight because of illness. Uh, we know he can't see physically. He's a beggar. That's the only way he's going to live. He's got to beg people. He can't work. He can't help himself. All he can do is hope and trust that others are going to care for him and show compassion on him. So he knows enough about begging to go to that strategic spot because he is on the road to Jer through Jericho, coming through, going to Jerusalem on that trade route. And what does he do? He sees Jesus, for he is the son of David, who can have mercy on him. And by faith, he recognizes Jesus as Messiah. So his cry, and then, uh, then he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. And that is a cry out to the Messiah. And uh, Jesus then says, you go, your faith has made you well. And then you got the crowd. And what do they do? They tell Bartimaeus to shut up and tell him that Jesus doesn't want to be bothered, basically. He doesn't want to hear you. Shut your trap. And then they do believe when Jesus does something for Bartimaeus. Question number five. When Jesus passes through Jericho, the crowds call him Jesus of Nazareth, but the blind man calls him Jesus, son of David. What is significant? Jesus of Nazareth, it only tells us who he was, just a man. Jesus, son of David, he called out to Jesus with that messianic cry. To him he was Messiah, and he believed in faith. Question number six, what did the blind man want from Jesus and what did the blind man need from Jesus? Well, Bartimaeus wanted to be able to see, but what he needed was to experience life transforming power of Jesus. He needed forgiveness for his sin according to verse 39. So how is the blind man's uh, response to Jesus different from that of the disciples and the crowd? He, is the, um, he, he, he saw Jesus uh, in a totally different way as someone that could forgive him of his sin. Number seven, how does a blind man respond to the miracle Jesus performs? He is the only one that sees Jesus rightly. He believed in him and he worships Jesus rightly because of who he was as Messiah. Number eight, what is the relationship between physical sight and spiritual sight in this passage? Physical sight was needed so that he might actually receive his spiritual sight. Big difference there. All right, so what's the interpretation? Are these some of the words you can use to write out what the passage is about. Messiah, David's son, son of God. Blind healing crowds, spiritual healing, forgiveness, all kind of words there. I wrote them down on the questions. You can go back and look. In the theological reflection, we want to understand the personal work of Jesus. So I went, when we see Jesus, we recognize he's both the Son of God, the one who came to be Messiah. We reckon he was also the Son of Man, alive and seated on the throne, ruling and reigning. And then you can ask, um, non believer, do you see, how do you see Jesus? Are you waiting on Jesus? Then put your faith in Christ. He is both what you want and what you need, and maybe what you have heard. Although you've heard the gospel hundreds of times, like the disciples, you still don't see Jesus rightly. Or maybe you're sitting blind on a roadside, and Jesus happens to be walking. How are you going to respond to him? Okay, the application. What are areas in your Christian life where uh, there isn't alignment between your wants and your needs? Um, you know, Remember Jesus, when you talk about our lives, our marriages, our children, our friendships, our work, our money discipleship relationships. We've already talked about some of these, our participation on the mission. But anyway, all those things are where we need alignment. You know, a lot of times we want, we, they're right things, they're good things, but we want wrongly. We desire the wrong things for these right things that Jesus has given us. Um, what steps can you take to bring alignment between what you want and what you need? So they say, hey, listen, in my marriage, I need to begin to have a relationship with my wife. I need to pray with my wife. I need to pray with my husband. I need to pray for my wife. I need to pray for my husband and my children. You know, I need to begin to 
at work. I need to begin to stand up for Christ and let people know that Jesus has changed my life. With my money, I need to put Jesus first and say, hey, Jesus, I want to give to you because I want to give to you first because you belong. There's just all kinds of things how you can say, okay, this is how I can rightly line up. So uh, anyway, have them share. Number two, right now, do you think you have the proper view of who Jesus is and what he's done for you? So that's a yes or no question. And that's one of those you can probably put scale one to 10. Uh, do you have a proper view of Jesus and what he's done for you? One, you need no, uh, not at all. And 10 being I'm all in, right? So you, you can ask them where they place themselves. All right. If so, what, uh, if so, what are you doing that's helping you to see Jesus rightly? Okay, so example, if you allow the grace of God to change me and mold me through the spiritual disciplines, that's one of the things Logan talked about in the message. You know, how, how are you going to start? So here's some spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, prayer and fasting, worship, witnessing. You know, this might be some other disciplines out there, but I think these are some big four. Maybe it is giving as well. That would also be a discipline. But anyway, what are you going to do? If you're going to Bible read, where well, are you going to start tomorrow? Are you going to take out your uh, Bible app and start a pr program where you read through the Bible in a year? Or what is it going to be, all right? Prayer and fasting. Maybe you've never thought about fasting before. You know, you might fast for a meal. You don't have to fast for a whole day. Maybe fast for a meal and use it to pray to God and use it to pray to your, about your family and what God wants to do in your life. How about worship and witnessing and, and, and being on mission wherever you go, you know? What are some steps you can take today? So how do you get there? What's one step you can take uh, to get there starting this week? That's what we're looking for. Uh, number three in our application, when we see Jesus rightly as the one we need, how does that affect the way we treat others? How does that change the way we view our marriage, parenting, family relationships, coworkers, neighbors, strangers? What we want is to be cushy in retirement, whereas God wants us to pour out our serving in God's kingdom. You know, with, when it comes to divorce, the gospel says that Jesus would never leave his bride. When it comes to relationships, sex only makes sense in the context of marriage. When it comes to serving Christ, where would God have you serve on his mission? These are the questions that we ask. When it comes to living the gospel, we're living in God's kingdom, and that's always the best way to live. When it comes to having children, yeah, you may want a child, but Jesus is really all you need, right? How about citizenship? Jesus Christ is seated on the throne, and we are citizens of this kingdom. So uh, how about longing for guilt and sin to be removed? Now, as an unbeliever, recognize that there is forgiveness and true love that is only found in Christ. We will be begging, and the final thing, when these kind of things begin to happen, we will be begging to have other people pursue him as well. All right, I hope that helps you in your discussion and a lot of good discussion questions about what we have, or excuse me, what we need versus what we want and which kind of person do we identify, not only as a believer, but as an unbeliever. Okay, well, let me pray for you and I will see you on Sunday. Father, thank you so much for this Life Connection group and for the Life Connection group leaders and for what you're doing in and through them. Father, continue to work. Lord, raise up other leaders. There are other leaders out there. We're asking you for 10 this year. So Lord, I pray that you would just begin to bring the people out, that they would come and be a part and understand what it means to help others to study and discuss the Word of God and begin to do the OIA, the observe and the interpret and the application so that God, you can do things in their lives through your word. Lord, help us to use the spiritual disciplines. That is an incredible grace that you have given us to be able to use for you and for your glory that we might be people of your kingdom and truly get what we need. Lord, thank you for all you do. If there's somebody in our class that doesn't know you as Savior in order your life, their lives, may today be the day they surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.